If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Now, we're going to be talking about the heart of thanksgiving today. What you don't need to do is dismiss this message. Here's why. Because if I can be honest with you, this is one of the more challenging and, quite frankly, one of the more convicting messages that I've probably preached since I've been here these past three years. Um, I know that it seems like a really random Sunday uh, to be talking about the most challenging and convicting message, but I did not do that by design. I've realized this week how ungrateful I can become very, very quickly, and I know that some of you recognize, too, that it doesn't take much to happen in your life for you to become ungrateful as well. So we're going to be talking about the heart of Thanksgiving in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you're not familiar with where that is in your Bible, go back to the book of the Revelation, and you can go 15 books to the left, okay? And you're going to find 1 Thessalonians, or you can start at the Gospel of Matthew and go 13 books to the right, and you'll find 1 Thessalonians. So it's tucked away right in the middle of the New Testament. Um, this past week, like so many of you, um, I had a delicious meal, I sat in a recliner, I watched TV, and I did absolutely nothing, right? The only thing that I did do is I mindlessly scrolled through Facebook. How many of you did that this past week? Don't lie, some of you are liars, you need to repent. Um, but I did, I mindlessly scrolled through Facebook, and there was a quote that I saw on Facebook that caught my attention. Because on one hand, I really agreed with the quote, but on the other hand, there was something about the quote that rubbed me wrong. Have you ever been in that tension where you're like, man, I can get behind that, I agree with that, but quite frankly, there's something about that I just can't make sense of? Well, this was the quote. You're probably wondering what it was. Here it is. It said, Thanksgiving is a joyous invitation to shower the world with love and gratitude. Oh, so sweet and sincere that Thanksgiving, that's what this week was all about, is a joyous occasion to shower the world with love and with gratitude. So on the surface, all of us would say, that's absolutely true. Man, I want to shower the world with love and gratitude on this specific day, throughout this specific week. That's what this is all about. But then on the other hand, you start to think, well, why is this limited to the season of Thanksgiving? Like if the, if the distinctive of the follower of Christ is to be a man or a woman who's known by, by their heart of gratitude, why do we only become grateful, why do we only become thankful during a certain specific season or week of our lives? So I was troubled by this reality. As I sit around the table and I see my family and I sit around the table and I see all the food and I think of all the good things that are in my life at that particular moment, and it's really easy for me to get thankful for that. It's really easy for me to have a heart of gratitude for that. But here's what the Bible would tell us, is that the Christian life is a life that's characterized by a heart of gratitude. The, the gratitude was never intended for the life of a Christian to be a seasonal event. It was never intended to be a day throughout 365 days, a one singular day event. In fact, every day and every minute of every day, we should be, as men and women of faith, characterized by men and women who have a heart of gratitude. So my question at the very beginning of our time together this morning for you is this. Would you say, with any integrity at all, would you be able to say that, you know what, Trey, if, if you ask my spouse, if you ask my kids, they would say that my mom, my dad, me, that I am a person known by my gratitude. 
that I'm so thankful, generally speaking, throughout the course of my life, that people just know me as just a grateful person. A person who just possesses this heart of gratitude, a person who's full of thanksgiving everywhere I go. This morning, we're going to look at one verse of scripture found in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 18. This is the final benediction of Paul's letter to the church of Thessalonica. The verse, this verse 18, is really the heart of his benediction. See, as he begins to conclude his letter, which he's writing, by the way, to a wonderful church, he reminds them, and really he reminds us, of three distinctions that should be in our lives as followers of Christ. I want you to hear these three distinctions so that you can fully understand the context. If you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul first says, this is the first distinction of the life of a follower of Jesus. He says, you should rejoice always. He doesn't say that you should have joy in your life as long as things are going good. He doesn't say that you should have joy in your life as long as things are going according to plan. He says, rejoice always. Even when the circumstances of your life push against you, even when your situation is not one that's desirable, he says to rejoice always. Church family, you and I as men and women of faith ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. You remember that old adage, that old song that we used to sing maybe back in grade school or even in the youth ministry back in the day? I've got joy down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart, J-O-Y, down in my heart, deep, deep down in my heart. Jesus put it there and nothing can destroy, destroy, destroy. Remember? Woo! Remember that? I've got joy down in my heart. Like, we ought to sing that song to ourselves as an anthem of who we ought to be in Christ every single day. So Paul says a distinctive of the Christian life is that you rejoice always, that joy is in your life no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. And then there's a second distinction of the Christian life. He says second, he adds, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I mean, let's just be honest this morning. These are commands given by God through the Apostle Paul to the church of Thessalonica and really to us. How many of you can honestly say this morning, I am a man or a woman that is characterized by unceasing prayer? That the posture of my heart, the attitude of my heart is that 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days of a year, I am a man or a woman who's characterized by unceasing ceasing prayer how many of you if something were tumultuous were to happen in your life there's one person that comes to mind that you would say you know what that's who i'm going to call to pray for me how many of you have a person like that all of us most of us right we have that person we're like you know what that person's a prayer warrior they're they're always before god like my question to you is are you that person for anybody like can you honestly say this morning that you are known to be a man or a woman who the posture of your heart is always prayerful. You know, the average Christian prays three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we, we laugh at that, but the sad reality is that's not, that's not uh, a myth. <laughs> that's not hypothetical. It's the truth. The average Christian prays three times a day over his breakfast, over his lunch, and over his dinner. I've challenged our staff, I want to challenge our church to be men and women that anytime someone says to you, hey, pray for me, that you don't say, okay, I will. No, stop and take the time to pray for them. If they're requesting it, if they're asking it, you ought to believe 
And your faith ought to be so strong that you say, no, we're going to pray right now. Like, I don't need to go home and pray. I don't need to go to my desk and pray. I want to pray for you right here in the parking lot. And what kind of church would we be if we took that seriously, no matter where we were, if it were the waitress at the restaurant, if it were the guy who gives all the tickets out when you illegally park down at the square? (laughs) Um, I mean, it happens, right? Uh, No matter where you were, if you took time to ask people how they're doing, how you could pray for them, and you genuinely began to pray for them. And Paul says, this is a command of you as a child of God. You're to rejoice always, but you're also to have unceasing prayer, and this is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Verse 18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So the context here in verse 18 deals specifically with prayer. We as Christians should be A prayerful people, we pray without ceasing, but in those prayers, we should always be rejoicing and we should be giving thanks in all circumstances. But here's what we have to understand about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Paul's not merely painting a picture of what our prayerful life should look like. Instead, he's telling us in general what the Christian life should look like. So yes, in our prayers, we should pray and rejoice. And yes, in our prayers, we should be thankful from our hearts. And yes, in our prayers, we should pray in a way that never ceases. But that's obviously, that's what our lives should look like, not just our prayer lives should look like. So what I want to do this morning is I don't want to strip verse 18 from its context, but I do want to zoom in on it so that we can look at it a little bit closer this morning. Okay, so verse 18 of chapter 5 tells us three things. Three things. The first one is this. First, it tells us what we need to do. What we need to do. What do we need to do? It says right here, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, notice what Paul did not say. He does not say give thanks for all circumstances. He says to give thanks in all circumstances. See, there's a difference in being thankful for your circumstances and being thankful in your circumstances. I mean, let's be honest about it this morning. It's really easy on Thursday afternoon to be thankful when our family is sitting at a table and on that table is stuffing and cranberry and turkey and, you know, all these different casseroles. you got corn casserole and green bean casserole and broccoli casserole and all the other casseroles. Like, it's really easy to look around the room on that moment to observe your context, your surrounding, and to be thankful, isn't it? Why? Because everything's good. This is how you would desire for your life to be. It's easy for us to be thankful when we find out we're having a newborn baby. It's easy for us to be thankful when we get a promotion at our job or maybe we land a new job that we've always desired. It's easy to be thankful when we build a new home or even move into a new home. It's easy to be thankful when they draw our blood at our last physical and all the report comes back really, really good. And the list goes on. We can, we can, we can go to God and, and praise him and celebrate him when everything is going good. But here's the question. What happens when our circumstances aren't desirable? How do we tend to approach, approach life when, when things aren't going according to plan? When we have been trying so hard for the past year, two years, three years, four years to get pregnant, and we continue to face the reality of infertility. When instead of getting a promotion at job, we get called in by our boss to go meet with him in the morning, and instead of getting that promotion, he's actually going to lay us off. 
When we go to get our blood drawn and we have a physical done, and instead of getting a good health report, we receive a poor one. The question on the table this morning is, do we find it easy to praise God even in those moments? Do we find it easy to give him thanks when things aren't going according to plan? Here, Paul says to the church of Thessalonica and to us, we are told to give thanks in all circumstances. You know, Paul would even say, even if it doesn't seem reasonable, we should still give thanks. Even if it's not according to our plan or how the trajectory of our life we wanted it to go, we should still give thanks. And by the way, Paul's not suggesting this to the church of Thessalonica, and he's really not suggesting it to us. It's a command. He's saying we should be giving thanks in all circumstances. So my question to you again this morning is simple. Are you thankful in the middle of whatever circumstance you're facing today? I mean, let's just be honest. My wife knows, like I get anxiety anytime my kids have a runny nose. I do. I don't know what it is about that. And the Lord has had to deal with my heart and to show me, one, that he, they belong to him. And that's a hard thing to understand sometimes. And then two, that he cares more about them than I do. And that's hard to understand. But you know what? I've had to learn that even when sickness approaches them, that I need to be thankful in that circumstance. Even with my own current life, I feel like since August, we've had these viruses going around in different people. Now all of you are going to miss next Sunday. You're like, I ain't going to have a virus. But it's the truth. Like, we just feel like we're just passing the stuff around. You know how it is. Kids are back in school. They're close in proximity and et cetera. And we've got these things that are being passed around. Good for the immune system, but it's not the most desirable you know, thing that we would invite into our life. But God is showing me we have to be thankful in those circumstances. And maybe you are here this morning and maybe you've been struggling with sickness or maybe a family member of yours received a bad health report. I was thinking about Georgia Sexton, who's in our church on our staff. Many of you know her. On Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, her mom passes away. But at the same time on that afternoon, her son is proposing to his now fiance. And I saw their son in Target one day, and I asked us how she was doing, how the family was doing. He's like, yeah, God, God set this up perfectly because we had some family and some people coming into town and, and being a part of our engagement, and that was the day that he took my, you know, my mom's mom, and, um, and all of a sudden our family was already there to comfort her, to love on her, and to kind of keep her mind occupied during that. And I was thinking, man, what an incredible God. What an incredible God. Like, he has already supplied every need of yours before you ever knew that you needed it. You know, those are things and those are moments where we should find thanksgiving, where we should have a heart of gratitude. Is your situation sucking the joy of the Lord out of you today? First, Paul says what we need to do. We need to give thanks in all circumstances. And then second, he says why we need to do it. Well, why do we need to do it? Give thanks in all circumstances. And he says, for this is the will of God. I'm not going to say a whole lot about this this morning because it's pretty self-explanatory when Paul says, for this is the will of God. Some of us in our lives, we will ask that question every single day. God, what's your will for my life? What's your will for my life? What's your will for my life? Well, he tells you, <laughs> give thanks in all circumstances. Be thankful for where you are in your life. Be content for where God has you currently in your life. He says, for this is the will of God for you. I want to walk through a couple of scriptures that maybe you can cling to 
Because if you're anything like me, it doesn't take much to, to move me from being grateful to being ungrateful, right? Like it doesn't take much for that to happen. And, and in fact, if, if you are anything like me, all it takes is going to eat at Chili's one time and for the food to be cold, and you went from being a, have a heart of gratitude to being very ungrateful, right? And, and you, you, you express that ungratefulness to those people usually, right? Um, why we need to be thankful. This is the will of God. Listen, 1 Chronicles 16.34. Listen to what it says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. You realize that this isn't circumstantial or situational? This is just a promise. Give thanks to God. Why? Because God is good. He can never be anything other than good. He's always good. So no matter what you're walking through, if it's a high or if it's a low, you can rest assured that the God that you serve, the God that you know, the God that has saved and redeemed you, he is a good God. And more importantly than that, his steadfast love endures forever. He hasn't abandoned you, forgotten you, quit on you, anything. Like he, His steadfast love continues to endure. It perseveres. It's there for you. And then the psalmist in Psalm 136, verse 1, says the same thing. The psalmist in 136, verse 1, says, Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. You realize that this psalmist, we don't know who it was, but he's singing this uh, they, they believe, um, they, they believe he's singing it basically at church, <laughs> I mean, if I'm honest, that this was a declaration of the people of God's hearts in the Old Testament, that they were constantly reminding themselves. It was our version, their version of Amazing Grace. You know how we sing Amazing Grace? If we busted out that chorus right here on stage, most of you would at least know the chorus. To, to God's people in the Old Testament, this was the song that they sang. Give thanks to God because he's good. His steadfast love endures forever. Now, if you walk through the pages of the Old Testament, does God always look good? No, sometimes their circumstances stank, didn't it? It just did. But you could always rest assured that he wasn't quitting on his people. He had a purpose and he had a plan for what he was doing, and he was indeed good. And his steadfast love continued to be faithful to them over and over and over again. What about Psalm 30? David is praising God for his deliverance, and this is what he says. He says, O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Why, David? For you lifted me out of the depths. You healed me. You brought me out of the grave and spared me from the pit. Any of you been delivered this morning? Yes. You have reason to be thankful. Sometimes the best exercise that we can do is look back at the, the, the past of our lives and remember who we once were apart from Christ. And because we now know him, he has transformed us and he's changed us, and it gives us reason to be so thankful for who he is. Psalm 28, David is thankful in the middle of distress. Discouraging moment in his life, he says this, praise be to the Lord. Praising God in the midst of distress? That's odd. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. What about Hebrews chapter 12, where the author says, since you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, what? Let us then be thankful. What about Colossians 3.15 where we're told to be thankful? Why we're told to be thankful in Colossians 3.15? Because the peace of Christ rules our heart. If you are a child of God this morning, if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered your life to his lordship, you have more reason than anyone in the world to be thankful this morning. And when you walk through the text of Scripture, the word thanks, or some variation of the word thanks, actually occurs over 150 times. You think God has a message that's clear to us? We should be marked by our gratitude. 
And by the way, of those 150 times, typically speaking, majority of those are preceded by the word give. So you have give thanks. Who we are supposed to be as men and women of faith is people who give thanks in all situations, in all circumstances. The Bible is abundantly clear that we as Christians are people that ought to be known by our gratitude. Remember what Paul said? Paul said, because this is the will of God for you. Paul is indicating here that God designed you and I as his children to be joyful people, to be people who are full of gratitude. See, his purpose in your life and in my, my life, it's not to create a shriveled up, ungrateful, miserable people. His purpose in our lives is to create a people who have enlarged our hearts with gratitude to wherever where we go. We're marked and we're known by the thanksgiving that we give, both to God and to other people. So first, Paul says, hey, I want to tell you what you need to do. Give thanks in all circumstances. Second, I want to tell you why you need to do it, because this is the will of God for you. And third, I want to tell you how you are to do it. He says, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Church family, it's only possible to express gratitude to God in everything if we have a relationship with Jesus. That's the only way this morning that you can truly be a grateful person. The only way that you can truly be a person who has a heart of gratitude is if you are in Christ. See, if you are not aware of who you were before Christ, then it's going to be really hard for you to have a heart of gratefulness. If you're not aware of of what has happened at that great exchange when Jesus took all of your sin on himself and gave you all of his righteousness, when you cried out to him to be your personal Lord and Savior, it's going to be really hard for you to be characterized as a person of gratitude. If you're not aware of the new life that you have now received because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, it's going to be hard for you to have a heart of gratitude in all circumstances, in all situations. Because here's the reality of the story. Every single thing that is in life is temporary. It vanishes. It returns to the dust. The only thing that does not is your relationship with Christ Jesus. So when the world might take everything away from you, the one thing that will always remain is the fact that you are now in Christ as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And you'll always have reason to be thankful. Here's another way of saying this. You and I have to understand what sin does to us. Sin causes us to look horizontally for what can only be given to us vertically. So what I begin to do is I look at the food on the table on Thursday to provide for me the satisfaction that my soul desires. I look at the family that sits around that table to provide for me the fulfillment that my soul desires. Friends, spouses, the ability to have kids, new vehicles, new homes, whatever the case may be, we look horizontally to find joy and satisfaction and fulfillment when only God can truly provide it. And this morning, some of you, for the very first time, are recognizing that's what's wrong with me. Is I'm looking circumstantially and situationally at at my circumstances and situation to provide for me what only God really can. See, the things of this world were not designed to satisfy your heart. In fact, the things of this world were one big directional arrow pointing you to the one who alone has the ability to satisfy you. So if you're walking through a trial, if you're walking through an undesirable situation, 
Do you realize all that is is a directional arrow pointing you to the one who can truly fulfill you? This is what happens in my life, and I want to share it with you. Anytime I realize that, I, that I'm getting in my heart a, a tension or a, just, just I feel like I'm growing ungrateful or I don't have a heart of gratitude, I'm starting to learn to teach myself. Remember, this is just a sign that's pointing you to Jesus. And when, when I go to him, guess what? My ungratefulness turns to gratefulness almost immediately because I'm reminded of whose I am in him. Some of you, you have situations and circumstances going on that I couldn't imagine. Maybe you know someone who has a situation or circumstances going on that you couldn't imagine. So how do we make it through this? Like, how do we, as men and women of faith that are in the midst of a situation or a circumstance that we wouldn't desire, how do we navigate through it? Well, we navigate through it the same way Jesus did. Listen to Hebrews. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, church family, during the most difficult time of the life of Christ, when the cross was before him, he was about to endure the most horrific acts known to man. He kept his eyes focused on his future joy. And guess what? His future joy is my future joy. Why? Because the Bible says, in him I'm now an heir with Christ Jesus. So I can focus on my future joy being reconciled and restored in proper relationship with God in the midst of any circumstance, in the midst of any trial. It's that joy that gets me through it. But you know what happens oftentimes in the life of a Christian? We allow that circumstance, that trial, to take our eyes off of Christ and we become so integrated and we become so drowned in the reality of the situation or circumstance that we can't even see Jesus anymore. To be less satisfied in the gifts is something that we must understand. We have to be more satisfied in the giver of those gifts. So Paul shows us what we need to do, give thanks in all circumstances, why we need to do it. This is the will of God for us. How it should be done in Christ Jesus. And I want to take three things. I want you to take three things away this morning. These are going to be real quick. Three things. Here you go. First one is this. Gratitude keeps us centered on Jesus. The reason you and I need to have hearts of gratitude is because it keeps us centered on the person of Christ. Let's be honest. Like I just said a moment ago, our situations, our circumstances, they can pull our eyes off of Christ and we become so focused on things that are trivial and don't really matter in the grand scheme of things that we can't even see Jesus at all. But gratitude, what it does to our hearts is it allows us to stay centered on the person of Jesus. See, the key to a thankful heart is to understand the character of God. And when you understand God's character, you will know that he has your best interest in mind. Now, really, he has his glory in mind. But everything he does is is for his glory. No matter if it's good, if if it's bad, he's going to use it to honor himself. And the thing about God is he understands you perfectly. Even when you don't feel understood, he understands you perfectly. See, when Jesus looms large in our lives, the magnitude of our circumstances begin to shrink. And some of you need that today. You need to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished in your stead. So that as that looms large, your circumstance, your situation will begin to shrink. Gratitude keeps us centered on Jesus. But second, gratitude strengthens our witness to unbelievers. Gratitude strengthens our witness to unbelievers. The world, church family, is full of ungrateful people. 
I alluded to it a moment ago. I recognize in my life how quickly my situation or circumstance can change my heart of gratitude. I sit at the table with my wife on a date night, maybe at Chili's. And the food comes out and it has a hair on it. Yeah, yeah, it's gross or it's cold or it's not prepared the way that I wanted it prepared. And the server and sometimes everybody else in the restaurant knows that my heart's not very grateful. But you know, I used to work at Chili's when I was going through seminary. It put me through seminary. Myself, a guy named Paul Colton, and N. The three of us, we approached Chili's as our mission field. It was our mission field. We wanted to see our coworkers come to know Jesus. I remember the bartender, his name was Jared. I remember a girl, her name was Katie. I could go through people's names. We prayed diligently for these people. We shared the gospel with these people. We had lunch with these people. We were trying to do everything we could to see some of these who were single moms and others of them who just made poor life decisions and others, this was their job. We wanted to see them come to know Christ. And I'll never forget sitting at a table with one of them and one of the girls said this. She said, you know the one day of the week that we never want to work? What's that? Sunday. Well, why not? Why not Sunday? Is it just because it's a second Saturday for you and you just have another extended weekend? She said, oh, no. There's two reasons we don't like to work on Sunday. One, because the church crowd is ruthless. And second, they don't know how to tip. And I thought, man, everything we're trying to do here is being destroyed because the church people should be the most kind and caring people on the planet. And second, they should be the most generous people on the planet. Guys, don't let any restaurant in our town say that about us. Let us love Jesus enough that we're going to be kind to them even if the food's not right. And we're going to be grateful. There's a way to, there's a way to appropriately complain, right? And then there's a way not to. But then second, let's make sure that we are generous. If you ain't got the $5 a tip for that $20 meal, then go to Panda Express. Like, don't go to Chili's. Soapbox. <clears throat> the world is full of ungrateful people, but a grateful heart, no matter the circumstance, is really an anomaly in our world today. A heart of gratitude is like light in a dark place. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Heard that in the Bible somewhere, right? You stand out like light in a dark place when you have a heart of gratitude. Gratitude strengthens our witness to unbelievers. And then third and finally, gratitude is evidence of a regenerate heart. A thankful heart is evidence of a transformed heart. It acknowledges the grace that we've received in Christ Jesus. Listen to the way Paul said it to the, the, uh, to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, give thanks in all things. It's the same thing he's saying here. He's just simply saying, let the world know that you are a grateful person. And Paul's warning in the beginning of Romans, Romans chapter 1 verse 21, he says, even though they knew God, talking about people who knew God, these are people, men and women, who know Jesus, that have walked away from Christ, they're no longer living like Christ, he says, even though they knew God, listen, they did not honor him as God, or what? Or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations and their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You and I, church family, we run the risk when we don't spend time with God to become these types of people. People who might know him, but because we know him and don't live for him, we run the risk 
of never giving thanks and becoming futile in our speculations, our think that just means useless, purposeless, and our foolish hearts become dark. In other words, we start to operate and function in the same way the world around us operates and functions. Let that not be said about us. Let us stand out as a light in the darkness of the world. Maybe you're here today and you've recognized, you know what, I really have been looking horizontally for my fulfillment and satisfaction. I learned today that I need to look vertically for that and that alone. Maybe you've learned that you don't have a life in Christ to be thankful for and today you need to settle that. We're gonna give you that opportunity at the end of our time together. Church family, those three things let's take away. Gratitude gives us, keeps us centered on the person of Jesus and man, do we need to stay centered on him. Gratitude strengthens our witness to unbelievers and the world needs Christ more now than ever. And gratitude is evidence of our hearts being regenerate, meaning that we have sincerely been transformed and changed by the gospel. So God, we come to you this morning and we know that we have more reason than anybody in the world to have a grateful heart today. And that's because of who we are in Christ Jesus. Help us be known by our heart of gratitude. Help the world look at us and say, man, there's something different about them. Father, we'll give you all the honor and all the praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.